removing the burdens, removing the strongholds, breaking the chains off of your life. But first you have to choose to praise Him. First you have to choose to lift His name. First you have to choose to exalt Him. So right now, out of your own mouth, out of your own spirit, can you begin to exalt the Lord? Can you begin to tell Him how good He is? Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are holy and mighty to be praised. And we worship you, Jesus.
Jesus. Your complete freedom comes from Jesus. Everything that he has for you is found in himself. When you begin to pursue him, when you begin to pursue his heart, Give him a hand. He did a great job. And it's good to be back here today. We're going to continue the series. We want to welcome those that are joining us online also that are not in the building. I want you to turn to Proverbs. Proverbs 18. And we're going to look at one verse, one small verse that uh, Solomon actually wrote. Solomon was the smartest man or the wisest man actually to ever live. I don't know how wise he was because he had multiple wives. The Bible says he was wise, but uh, I might would have to argue with God a little bit when I get to heaven. But he speaks this one thing, and we're going to talk about this within the context of marriage, but I don't want you to uh, check out if you're not married because principles apply to everyone's life. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus said he wanted us to have the abundant life. Did you know the person of Jesus gives you eternal life? If you're saved today, you've given your heart to Christ, you've made him your Lord, you're a follower of Christ, you've got eternal life. But it's the principles of Jesus that give you abundant life. There are many Christians that have eternal life, but not living life abundantly because they got saved and they closed their Bible. That's enough to go home and eat tacos. But we're going to continue. So we're going to open up God's Word and see some principles that can apply to us today. We're going to talk about return to love within the context of marriage and relationships. So Proverbs 18, verse 19, and this is Solomon once again speaking. He says, it is easier to conquer a strong city. That word strong city, that means a fortified city in the Old Testament there were fortified cities. There were cities with walls, such as Jericho that had walls around the city. Jerusalem had a wall around the city. Those walls protected the city from bandits and danger. They knew who were coming in and who were going out. It was designed to protect the city. It says it's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Have you ever been offended before? Raise your hands if you've been offended. Have you ever offended anyone before? Okay, we've all been on both sides of the coin. It says their walls go up. Whose walls go up? The person that's been offended. Making it nearly impossible to win them back. It didn't say it was impossible. It said it was nearly impossible. One of the greatest architectural feats in the world is the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China has often been called the Long Wall or the 10,000 Mile Wall. It actually is 13,170 miles long. It took 2,500 years over different periods of time to build the wall. It was built to fortify China to keep people out. Actually, you can see the Great Wall of China from out of space through 
all types of technology. It was built out of sand. It was built out of earth. It was built out of wood and stone and brick. This wall was an architectural feat that was thought impossible, but they built it anyway. And today, I believe in all of our lives, we build walls. Maybe it's not the Great Wall of China. Maybe it's not 13,170 feet long and takes 2,500 years. But I believe over time, many of us build walls in our lives that separate us from the people we actually love. Now, these walls sometimes are built during the marriage or during the relationship or they're built actually before the relationship, and we have to deal with those walls after we get married. See, walls are not all bad. There are some, some walls considered boundaries in our lives that can be very healthy. A boundary tells me where my life ends and the other person's life begins. I set boundaries to keep myself safe, to care for my life, to preserve my life, to keep me mentally healthy or emotionally healthy. So there are some walls, there are some boundaries that we need to set to keep us healthy. But there are some negative walls that we build that actually become a prison that we live ourselves in because they're not actually boundaries. They are walls meant to keep us from getting hurt. Let's look at that scripture one more time. It is easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend who's been offended or whom you've offended. Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. I begin to think about walls. Oftentimes, we build walls one brick at a time. See, walls don't become erected in our lives in a moment or after an event, it takes time. And that first brick that often gets in our wall is the brick of hurt. Say hurt. hurt. How many of you have ever been hurt in relationships before? Anybody been hurt? The rest of you are telling a story. And you are in church on Super Bowl Sunday. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Especially the people online. That are already preparing for the Super Bowl. Just kidding. So it is hurt. Several years ago, I went to have neck surgery and had a herniated disc in my neck and had to stay in the hospital about three days. But about a day and a half into this ordeal, the doctor came in. He began to talk to me. He said, Archie, you're not sick, you're hurt. And if we don't get you up walking around and get you out of this hospital, your hurt will turn into sickness. I'm convinced some of us have been hurt so long and we haven't dealt with our hurt that our hurt has become sickness in our lives. Yes, when we first get married, I think, how many of you, like our worst year probably was our second year. Our, our first year was very honeymoony. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Didn't feel yeah, like awesome. a lot of reality had set in or anything like that. And so no. our second year, man, things just started coming out. Man, I mean, it got... The monsters, the boogie. In fact, I got in the good old Burgundy Corsica. And I drove off, not planning to come back. She had no money. 
He always likes to add that, just slip it in. Yes, I turned around because I ran out of money and, and gas. And, um, and she loved me, come on now. And he was sitting on the couch just with Eating his arms crossed. But the truth of the matter is, we go into marriage with all of these things, um, the baggage, everything we've walked through. Because if you if you came from a functional home, then blessings on you. But my home was not functional at all. In fact, it was pretty chaotic. Um, my parents divorced when I was five years old. I was put on a court stand, testimony stand, to decide who I wanted to live with, who I loved more at the age of seven, and I loved both my parents. And so to be put in that position, it was just, it messed me up. And then went into my middle school years where there was sexual abuse, and went into high school years with still dealing with all of the trauma, and then I got married at 19. <laughs> had no clue how to be a wife, had no clue how to even be a pastor's wife, much less. Um, we, we accepted a church, I think, two weeks after we were married. And I would never encourage anyone to ever do that. Um, I was, we were two broken people pastoring broken people. And so we have grown through the years. And thank the Lord we are not who we used to be. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Amen. Amen. But the truth is, and the revelation that has come to me is that a lot of times we put the responsibility on one person to actually bring and meet every need in our life. When I married Archie, I felt like he should be, you know, giving me everything I need emotionally, spiritually. He's my leader. You know, like just everything, everything that I needed. And I needed a lot. I was needy. I was needy. And, um, and I wrote this down. This came to me. The lie that our well-being depends on another person valuing us, needing us, and loving us is what we crave, but it's a lie. Everybody needs somebody, and we were made for relationship, but to say that one person can fulfill the needs in your life, they will never do it perfectly because you are God. And I had to learn to begin to develop the relationship with my Heavenly Father and begin begin to be healed and allow him to speak to me, not just, you know, read my little devotional, I read my little Proverbs first, and then I go about my day. No, I had to dig. Have you ever dug in the Word where you dissect that thing and you figure out what is it speaking? And so years and years, we have now been buried almost 26 years. Is it already been 27? Oh my goodness. Usually the man usually gets it wrong. Man, it was so, it's been so good years for God. Time just been. Yeah, yeah. and it, you know, I mean, it's just been literally. We are not the same people, and thank goodness that God has healed those places. Because this is what happens: we bring in all the baggage, and if our cup is empty, right? We've not been emotionally filled up by our parents. We've not been. We've gone through, you know, trauma. We've gone through all of these things. So our cup is very empty, and we walk into a marriage thinking that we're going to give all these things. Our cup is empty. So where do we go to be filled? We've got to learn to go to the Word. There, come a, there came a point with all the hurt that 
that I had to take responsibility. Tangie had to take responsibility. The blame game was not going to work anymore. I couldn't blame mama. I couldn't blame daddy. I couldn't blame him, him, her, him. All of the pain, the responsibility was on me to be healed. And I believe that's what the Lord is saying today. Yeah, and oftentimes we think the person who has hurt us is the person that's going to heal us. Denise Boggs, Denise Boggs once said, she said, never put your healing in the hands of the one who hurt you. Put your healing in the hands of God. And so when you come into marriage and you're hurt, guess what? You begin to throw bricks of hurt or you begin to build a wall. And sometimes the wall is already built. It goes from her. And in that hurt, you feel this pain, man. And it just brings another brick. The pain is so great. The pain, it, it seems like it's overwhelming. I've never met a person who likes pain. There are two things that we do with pain. When we experience pain, we either run from it or we numb it. How many of you know people that numb their pain? How many of you are numbing your pain right now? How do we numb our pain? We, we numb our pain through alcoholism, drugs, multiple relationships, eating. Ooh, eating. How many emotional eaters do we have in here? Yeesh. Think about that. Marijuana? We legalized it. So everybody can numb their pain. That is good. We pass out drug paraphernalia. Government does. And lower income housing. So people can numb their pain. We're not bringing them help. We're not bringing them hope. No, we just keep building the walls. And this hurt and pain eventually becomes shame. We just keep building the wall. Might be saying, Pastor, you're a good wall builder. Can you come to my house and build one? No. Shame. We, we live wrapped up in shame. Do you know shame is a result of sin? There was no shame before Adam and Eve fell. In fact, the Bible says they were both naked and they felt no shame. They were naked. Now, we know they were physically naked, but I believe they were emotionally naked too. They were, there was no secrets in the relationship. There was nothing that had to be hid. Oftentimes when we come together and we get married, we have secrets. And sometimes it takes 20 years for us to expose the secrets. Why? Because we're filled with shame. And the enemy traps us in this thing called shame. Did you know shame is the fear of disconnection? That if I really am honest with Tangie, she's going to disown me. She's going to judge me. She's going to disconnect from me. She's going to leave me. Dr. Brene Brown once said, all of us are neurobiologically wired for connection. You were built for connection. 
She didn't have to say that for me to believe him because God said in his word in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. Meaning, we are not built to be an island to ourselves. We are built for connection. And in these relational connections, I want to tell you right now, in these relational connections, God heals us. God never heals us in isolation. I'm going to say that one more time. God never, ever heals us in isolation. The enemy entraps us in isolation and keeps us isolated and imprisons us in isolation. But we never, ever are set free and healed in isolation. So we begin to build the foundation of this wall in between us. It starts with her pain and then we are Filled with shame. And this guess what we feel. We begin to feel this thing called rejection. We, we just keep building on the wall. Notice what this wall is doing. What is it doing? It's separating me from my wife. Yes. And the more bricks, the more division. And if you, if you, I don't know. I just, so a lot of times the pain and the hurt begin to build and build and build. And I love I love the difference between, before you move off of shame, the difference between shame and guilt. If you don't know this, this, it's a big difference. Guilt is looking at your sin. Shame is looking at yourself. Guilt is seeing what you have done. Shame is seeing yourself as a failure because of what you have done. And which leads to rejection. Like, so... A lot of these are the symptoms of, I had a spirit of rejection, big time, um, because of my story. And one little statement that Archie could make would just, I'd be mad a week, thinking he could read my mind. Did remember what, like he doesn't even know what he said. And I'm just mad. You know, I'm just going through the motions. And one thing, one thing that he did Maybe he didn't act the right way. Maybe he said something just a little bit off. Because of the pain on the inside of me, I thought he was rejecting me. And so this cycle just continues and continues and continues. Jesus was rejected, but he kept going. He kept going. He went to the Father. That's where he got his healing. We're waiting on the other person to apologize. I'll never forget. I had a mentor look at me and and she knew my story. She had been walking with me through that. And she looked at me and she said, Tangie, what if she never says that she's sorry for hurting you? And I had never thought of that. I thought, but she will tell me she's sorry one day. <laughs> and I just had never thought of that because in the back of my mind, I just knew that that would happen. And I'm just waiting on that day. And until then, honey, we just... We just, you know, don't get close to me because I'm just waiting on you to, yeah. Like, this is how I was going through life. And she looked at me and she got very stern with me. She said, what if she never tells you that she's sorry? And I said, oh my goodness. I had been living in such a cycle of rejection and cycle of pain that I couldn't even, I was drinking the poison thinking it was affecting her. I was drinking the poison. 
And it, it came it came to me, and the Holy Spirit said, Tangie, what if she doesn't? And it was just a light bulb, revelation. He who knows the truth, the truth will set him free. Revelation moment, I immediately knew, regardless if she never said she was sorry, I would have to forgive or I would be stuck in the very same cycle next year and the next year and the next year. Because guess what? Who you're mad at today may never come to you and say, I'm sorry. Your spouse may not even know that they hurt you. They may not even know. So I have to take responsibility in the middle of that, and I have to choose to forgive. Okay, what's the next brick? I'm getting ahead. You're good. <laughs> Jesus said you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears. When you look at the tree of rejection, it has fruit. The fruit is this right here, protection. When I feel rejected, I'm going to protect myself. So I go into this protection mode that I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. Number two, insecurity. We become very insecure. I can't trust anybody. I don't trust mom. I don't trust dad. I don't trust my spouse, my kids. I don't trust anybody. We become very insecure. That leads to fruit three, which is suspicion. We're, we're suspicious of everybody. We're suspicious of our boss. We're suspicious of the person sitting beside us in church. We're suspicious of the pastor. We just become suspicious people because we've been dealing with this Spirit of rejection. Then we become withdrawn. We, we just totally separate ourselves because we don't want to be rejected again. We don't want to be rejected. Then it produces this fruit. I can't love and I can't receive love. I've been rejected and hurt so bad. And so this, this cycle just continues. I'm hurt. I feel the pain. I'm full of shame. I'm rejected. And it leads to this unforgiveness. That's a big one. How many people are trapped in the trap of unforgiveness? And you've made a vow in your heart I will never forgive that person. And we think we're the we're holding them in prison. In fact, we're the ones that are in prison. Jesus said, pray this way in Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you know the person that hurts you? Oftentimes you think that person owes you something. They're indebted to you. And you think by not forgiving them, you're holding them captive. When all along, they've forgotten about you. Right. They're at the beach. They got an umbrella. They got a cooler. They got their cell phone. Come on, the AirPods in. They're not hearing you. They've gone on, and you're still sitting at home, watching Hallmark, feeling sorry, unforgiven, and you won't let them go. Well, they just they just floated on by. They're gone. They're gone. And the only person you're hurting is yourself. And you're building this wall in your relationships that leads to unforgiveness that's not dealt with turns into the brick of bitterness. You're just building a wall. You just keep building it. Hebrews 12, 15 says, watch over each other to make sure that no one, look here, no one misses the revelation of God's grace. 
That there's grace for all of us. Says watch over each other so no one in this building misses the revelation of God's grace. God has grace for you. Grace is not a cover-up. It's an empowerment to become all that God wants you to become. It's empowerment to get over your past. It's empowerment to tear down this wall. He says make sure nobody misses the grace of God. And make sure no one lives with the root. Say root. The root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. This is what happens. When the root of bitterness that comes out of hurt, pain, shame, comes out of rejection and unforgiveness, when it takes root in your life, one translation says it defiles many or it causes trouble for people around you. How many of you know your bitterness impacts your marriage? It impacts your children, it impacts your in-laws, it impacts your grandchildren, it impacts your co-workers, it impacts your business, it impacts every relationship that you're in because God's word says the root of bitterness, if it's not dealt with, it defiles many people around you. And you begin to discover that people don't want to be around you because you have a bitter root and, and you begin to blame people for walking out of your life when you're living your life out of a bitter root. Nobody wants to hang out with bitter people, do they? After a while, they say, no, I, that's, that's just too big of a price to pay. I've got to go find somebody else. But here's the deal. Sometimes this is built in the marriage. After we get married, we build these walls. A lot of times, this wall is already built. It's already, like, petrified. It's, it's already deep in our lives because of past experiences. Maybe you grew up in a dysfunctional home like I did and Tangie grew up in a home where there was an early divorce and there was a lot of hurt and pain. And so we came into the marriage with a wall. It wasn't real high, but it was, it was a good wall. It's almost impenetrable. But here's the deal. When we came into the relationship, instead of dealing with the wall, we kept the cycle going. Hurt, Turned into pain. Woo! Come on. Shame. Rejection. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. And if this cycle is not dealt with, guess what happens? The wall gets higher and higher and higher. And there's a point in our marriage we don't even see each other. We can't connect because we can't get through this. We don't feel each other's pain. We don't feel each other's needs. And so we get agitated when our mate tries to love us. And then we use the five love languages to beat them up. You're not loving me the way I want to be married to love. I think that's one negative of the five love languages. That we become selfish and we can't receive love in one way. Mm. That might be because our heart's not healed. Amen. So we use all this to beat each other up. And so this wall that has been constructed, how do we deconstruct it? So there's honest and open communication 
emotional connection, not just physical connection. You know, in marriage, you can climb over this wall, this wall right here and be very intimate physically. Most men are climb a tall wall. Anybody, any man in the house? Come on, somebody. We'll bust through the wall and get there. We'll walk around the wall. Even if it is, come on, 13,170 miles long. And sometimes we, we try to get over this wall and we'll be intimate physically and then we don't connect emotionally. We don't connect mentally. There's no affection. Why? Because this wall has never been, been deconstructed. We've never torn it down. You know I'm speaking good today. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. But maybe God wants to deal with the walls. And so we have to begin to deconstruct this wall. How do we do that? How do we do this right here? Here it is. 1 Corinthians 13. It's love. It's love. It's love for God and love for others. Faith, hope, and love. These three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Romans 5, 5 says this, And this hope is not dis a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Holy Spirit, empowered by love, helps us tear down these walls in our marriages. But here's the deal. We get in this cycle and then we go to, through a divorce. And after the divorce, we never deal with the wall. And then we get married again. And we carry our wall with a wheelbarrow into the next marriage. Yes. And we think it's the spouse. No, it's the wall. It, it's, it's all this dysfunction that has been compounded and cyclical in our lives. And we have to tear it down. Number one, how do we tear it down? We love one another. I mean, it loves a choice. I said love's a choice. Some of y'all are waiting on a feeling before you forgive the person. No, you don't wait on a feeling. God teaches us in his word to forgive. He didn't say if you feel like it today, forgive that person. No, just forgive. You just let it go. You let it go. To love one another. And as you begin to love one another and you begin to obey this new command as Jesus said a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you how did Jesus love us he laid down his life Ephesians says this husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church how did he do that by giving his life for the church I haven't truly loved my wife until I've given my life for her. And guess what? That's not a one-time event. That's a daily thing that I have to give and I have to give and I have to give. But here's the problem with giving. If I come into the marriage and my emotional cup is not full, how can I So if I'm going to be the person that gives to my wife, I have to allow God to heal my heart from the bricks of the past, the baggage of the past. I have to confront it. 
Come on, I can't run from my pain. I don't need to numb my pain. I need to confront my pain. And allow God to deal with it. And so we use this phrase, we use phrases like this. That's just the way he is. No. Come on, somebody. We make excuses. Amen. That's just him. That's his personality. That's just her. She's just loud. How many of you know, oftentimes we're loud because our cup is empty. Amen. Online. I didn't hear any amens in here, but I can hear yours. <laughs> we're loud because we're empty. Our emotional cup is empty. Why? Because we brought all this stuff into the marriage. So we have to love. We have to choose to love. This is not just a natural love. It's, it's the God kind of love. It's agape in the Greek. The unconditional love of God. You know what heals me and Tangie in the marriage? It's this unconditional love that she can say anything, I can say anything, and we're not going to, we know we're not going anywhere. We're going to love each other. We're, we're going to help each other become more like Christ. Number two, love covers. Say covers. covers. As you begin to understand, love covers. What, what does it cover? Look what he says. He says, the end of all things is near. Man, that feels like our day, doesn't it? He says, therefore, be alert, be sober mind, of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of what? Sins. Offenses. Words. Actions. Love covers that. And i got to realize that we're both human beings. And some of y'all, you think we're Jesus, and you think I'm Jesus, and you think Tangie is Mother Mary. But I can tell you right now, we're human. We deal with the same problems you deal with. I can assure you, I have four kids. We have a mortgage pay. We, I have a dog. We deal with the same problems you deal with. We just learn to go at it from a different direction. We, we said God is the center of our marriage. He's the center of our home. And we don't, we don't just make him the center on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. He is who we are. And we go to his word and we begin to say, Lord, what do you want to do in our lives? He said the end of all things is near. Did you know in Matthew 24, and I'm going to wrap this up. Matthew 24, Jesus gives us a panoramic view of the end times. He said in the end times there will be earthquakes, there will be famines, there will be war, nations will rise against nations. He gives us this terrible description of what would be happening. It almost feels like it's happening in our day. And then he said, in those days, many will be offended and the love of many or most will grow cold. Have you ever lived in a day where everybody's offended? The vax are offended at the unvaxed. The mask wearers are offended at the unmasked. The Republicans are the offended at the Democrats. Got quiet in Scotland. Come on, the Redskins are offended at the Cowboys. Well, the Commanders. Some of you are offended because I said Redskins. 
You felt it. It just rose up in you. That little bit of eighth of the Indian blood in you just rose up. And you wanted to walk out of church and say, I'm never coming here again. He, he offended me. I'm Indian. Well, I'm Indian. At least quarter or something. If we all go back to Adam and Eve, we're all the same color. Come on, that's a spirit of division. He said, many will be Offended. How do we keep from getting so offended and growing cold? The love of God. And number three. Speak the truth in love. And you literally just took everything I was going to say. Awesome. <laughs> Ephesians 4.15 says. Will you forgive me? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, we, just, we just showed how that worked. Or forgiveness. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And I, too, was just going to talk about how the Lord began to speak in Matthew 24, what it's going to look like in the end time. And I feel like we're in that day. Um, that many would be offended. Many will betray. Betrayal. Has anybody been betrayed? You shared your heart with someone. They turned their back. It's betrayal. Many would hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of the law, because of the lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. I think in speaking the truth in love, one of the greatest loves there is is when you can open up your mouth, sit down, and have coffee with someone and share your heart. You lay down your time. You lay down your resources. Buy them that cup of coffee, by the way. And you share your heart with them. And, and that in itself, God can mend the very, the most dark, traumatized area. I've seen it. I've walked through it. By speaking the truth in love. The hard part is stopping and taking the time to do that, right? You, it's easier just to live with the bitterness and the hurt. But speaking the truth in love is what God is saying. He wants us to do that. He doesn't want us to hold it in. What we're doing is, we, have you ever, have you ever like bit your head, kid's head off? And you're like, what's wrong with you, mama? What did I do? And you literally just like are dealing with the thought that just happened 10 minutes ago, but you come out and they get the blunt, how was the word blunt, blunt of it? You know what I'm saying? You, you end up taking everything out on them or your spouse. And, and so look at the things that we walk with every day in our heart, all these things. Take it to Jesus. Speak the truth in love. If you are dealing with an offense, go to the person. Don't walk around. Don't walk around in hurt and pain. If there's questions, sometimes it really isn't as bad as you thought. And you begin to talk and a friendship begins to happen. Maybe that person that offended you has already passed away. Take it to Jesus. Allow him to sit in the chair. I remember when I had gone through a lot of sexual uh, crazy stuff in my middle school years. 
And I didn't know how to deal with forgiveness because I could not get it out of my mouth. Like, it was just so much pain. And I sat that person in a chair in my room is how the Holy Spirit began to tell me to do it. And until I could say it, I remember it took, it took a long time, but I finally said the person's name and I said, I forgive you. And the, the relief, the relief when I finally was able to release, God wants you to tear down the walls and he's going to always use love to do it. What's love got to do? It's got to do with everything. Come on now. Everything. Well, Tina Turner time. <laughs> but here's the deal. This wall, it's separating us. Truth, speaking truth back and forth here, because I know there's a love. This is the atmosphere of love. Begins to tear down this wall. But here's the deal. Oftentimes, we go to God and we pray about the wall. And we want God to tear down the wall. How many of you know God empowers you to do that? So you begin to forgive. You begin to get healed. You begin to confess your fault. You release the offense. The pain starts to subside. Come on. The hurt begins to fade. It becomes a past memory. And the wall is gone. Now, we have to guard against bricks and the wall being reestablished. Offense is a terrible thing. You've got to let it go. You can't you quit. Don't wait a month or six months. Do it then. Just, just deal with the issue immediately. Say, no, we're not going to let this come in a relationship. It's gone. I wanted to just add one thing. I think sometimes when you hear your pastor, you hear someone talk on what to do, you know, all this list of things, forgive, you know, practically what does that look like? It's confessing what has happened to you. Confessing how it really made you feel. When I let him know that something has hurt me, he has to feel that. It may not be his reality, but it's my reality. It's how I received it. So you've got to confess what happened. And in, after that confession, you've got to forgive right then. Right then. And it, it's by grace, right? It, it, you might not feel it. You might not feel this, you know, this passion or this compassion to forgive this person. But guess what? Ask the Lord to give you that. Lord, I need you to love them through me. I need your grace. Because in my, Tangie can't do it. She can't do it in my flesh. And Mark, my carnality is real. So I have to push that in the word. I have to say, I deny my flesh right now. And I submit it to the Holy Spirit. And when I do that, confession and forgiveness. The Bible says, you know, you say, how many times do I have to forgive? What does he say? Seventy times seven. Always. Forgive. Every time. Every time. There aren't some sins that you don't have to forgive. And right? I've, I've learned this, so Tangie, the, the, 
the more whole you become, the less you're offended. Oftentimes we're offended or hurt because we're not healed. So when we talk about all the fruit that we've been talking about, let's go to the heart and allow God to heal our heart. Amen. It's time to tear down the walls. Open our hearts up to God's spirit and allow him to do that. Would you stand? I know we've gone a few minutes over, but we thought it was the right thing to do today. We just believe that this is just a starting point. Let's just bow our heads. We're going to pray. Tanji and I are going to join hands and pray over you today. We just believe for supernatural things. Lord, I just thank you for great grace. We're going to see to it that no one misses the grace of God in this place. God, that your grace and your mercy is spilled out and poured out by your Holy Spirit. God, for those that are dealing with hurt and pain, shame, rejection, unforgiveness, bitterness, and it's built walls in their lives and built walls in their relationships. Lord, I just pray that you would empower them, give them courage right now to begin to deconstruct the wall by your Holy Spirit. That those walls will not entrap them any longer, will not destroy their marriage or their relationships. God, we just pray that your grace would come right now. Some of you, as I'm praying, you need to forgive. Not by feeling so much, but by faith. Say, Lord, I, I forgive I forgive the debt that I feel that's owed me. I release that person right now where you're at. Do that. God's love will be poured out. His spirit will be poured out over you today. Holy Spirit, come in a fresh way. Mend our hearts. Heal our relationships. Heal our marriages. God, help us to love one another. Help us to submit to one another. God, help us to know you. In Jesus' name, everyone say, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God is so good.